Hi, this is David Steele of the Orlando Magic, and you're listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast from the guys at Orlando Magic UK. Now it's over to Garrett, Mikey, and Paul. Go Magic! Hey Magic fans and welcome to Penny Free Thoughts, the podcast of the Orlando Magic UK. I'm Paul, host for this episode where we'll be talking about, yes, the Magic's first home court win of the season. We're also joined by the Magic's radio host and producer, Jake Chapman. Jake, thanks for joining us and welcome to the pod. Glad to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure having you on, mate. Real pleasure. We've been looking forward to it. We've had a couple of uh, missed starts over the last couple of weeks, haven't we? Between... Uh, you're having to host um, an event with Cole and MCW, and as all three of us fall in at this end, how was how was the MCW and uh, Cole event? Yeah, it's a crazy time of year, so I'm glad we could uh, I'm glad we could make time to to link up. It was awesome. It was one of those things that it was kind of a last sec- second thing. They had an opening, and it was run by his agency. It was at Top Golf, uh, their agency, Cole and. Um, and Michael Carter Williams, and it was just a very small, sort of intimate q a and if you got to do a q a in front of a bunch of strangers you do a lot worse than cole anthony and michael carter williams so <laughs> they made it easy on me we had fun it was a good night cole is such a star when it comes to anything media wise that that uh post-game interview with dante was uh something special again we need more we need more we need, we need more absolutely absolutely so as always i'm joined by mikey uh you well buddy yes mate thank you yeah on the men now Thanks. i'm good good man good man health on the improvement that's good. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll notice that uh, Garant is missing. Uh, our Vucevic of the Valleys is uh, on court <laughs> hooping tonight. Uh, so we are joined, making his return from last week, Gary. Gary Craggs. Gary, how are you doing, mate? Absolutely tip-top, especially after the uh, Utah game, Paul. Mate, it was quality, wasn't it? It was so happy yeah. to finally get that result. Um, I, was, I, hope you, I hope G's happy with Vucevic of the Valleys. I was going to go with his love of uh, the Lakers with uh, Cardiff's Kyle Kuzma or Cardiff's Caruso. <laughs> 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 but I thought I'd be nice. <laughs> How about Cardiff uh, Abdul-Jabbar? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, he'd like that as well. <laughs> he'd like anything to do with it he'd love yeah. the Lakers side of things but, uh, so <laughs> <laughs> before we get into it this week I'm going to get the uh, Jalen Suggs jersey plug out of the way we're running a competition our friends at the official NBA store Europe and Fanatics UK are giving away an Orlando Magic Jalen Suggs jersey so one lucky winner all you need to do subscribe to our YouTube channel and leave us a comment on the episode looking at the 2021-22 schedule, uh, telling us which Magic player you're most looking forward to seeing this season. The link will be in the description of this podcast. Save you searching, so just click in there. We're hoping that uh, we're going to announce the winner very, very shortly. Uh, We're aiming for 350 followers. We're over 330 now, so get in there. If you haven't already done it, get in there. And as we've said many times, if you've got multiple emails, Bang in another entry. Bang in another YouTube account. We we don't care who follows us. We just want the followers. So uh, get in there and get on. So let's crack on. Let's get the magic news out of the way. But before I do that, I want to ask a question and uh, talk about the heavyweight bout that we saw last night in uh, Denver. Jokic versus Morris. So 
opinions are varying greatly on this one. Uh, whether Jokic was right to give him one as Harry, as Morris deserved it for going in with the elbow uh, to where some are saying Jokic was cowardly as Morris had his back turned and was walking away. So where are you at, boys? Gary, go on. I'll give to you first. I'll throw you <laughs> under the bus. Cheers, <laughs> um, oh, Thanks for that. Um, I don't think you can say either of them were right. And I've still got burned yeah. in the back of my mind when Jokic wound up and swung at Terence Ross. Yeah. Um, yep. I'll never forget that because it was Terence Ross and I take anything personally that happened to him. <laughs> um, but by the same token, I think Morris has had this reputation around the league and I could be wrong here, but I'm sure he got into something with Cousins when he was on the Rockets and shoved him from behind, yep. maybe not at the he same did. speed. So I think it's a case of um, two wrongs don't make a right. But if you keep pushing people, eventually somebody's going to uh, push back. That's my take. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I'm with you. Jake, as, as a diplomat, as far as the NBA side of things goes, what's uh, what were your thoughts on it? I don't know how diplomatic this is, but if anybody deserves it, it's the Morris. It's the Morris brothers. One hundred percent. They're always they're always in the middle of it. I covered Marcus in Detroit, and we had a good relationship. He's a he's a good enough guy, but on the floor, those guys are they're goons, man. That's 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 what they do. Um, Jokic was absolutely wrong the way he responded, obviously, but none of that happens without the the cheap shot forearm shiver in the first place at midcourt, which was a. Um, a hard, fairly dirty foul. Again, like, you know, you can't respond the way that, that Jokic did. And Jokic is sort of developing a little bit of a reputation himself. And it looks terrible because he's the reigning MVP. <laughs> and Adam Silver, the league office, does not want that image uh, out there. So he'll probably get a, a nice suspension or something like that. And, and we'll all move on. The aftermath was crazy, too. There's pictures now yeah. of. You know, Jimmy went nuts, but there's pictures now of the Heat guys waiting, uh, waiting in the locker room and waiting uh, in the hallway for for the Nuggets. So um, I can't wait to see what happens next time those two square off. Yeah, I thought and it was that- very funny that uh, Jimmy Butler. It was a case of hold me back. I'll uh, get going once twenty people in front of me. Uh, he didn't want it when he was only three feet away. Um, but Mike, what's your take? Yeah, and on top of that, the the beef on Twitter started as well with his brother and. Uh, and Jokic's brothers as well saying don't don't take it any further because we'll be waiting for you so uh, yeah like, like you guys have said um, I retweeted a video of uh, Richard Jefferson about an hour or so ago and he said That's, I was going to refer to that mate yeah, yeah he said when it comes to to Morris he's like you don't do that and then when it comes to Jokic like you definitely don't do that <laughs> but one doesn't lead to the other without Morris leaving the elbow and uh, getting him under the wrist so uh Morris got exactly what he deserved. It's not the first time the twins have been involved. In fact, the, if you go on YouTube, there's videos, streams yeah. of them with countless uh, like altercations they've had with various players over the years. Um, so it's not a surprise he was in the middle of it. But yeah, it's not a good look that uh, Jokic is real, re, retaliating like the way he did. Suggestion of a little bit of a knee int from uh, Morris into Jokic's knee as well. Mm, uh, yeah. I think it, it was more it was, the rib shot. I think it was the worst part oh, of it. Right. But, it was, yeah. but let's be, be honest, I enjoy seeing it now and then. <laughs> hey, well, I'm going to say this, and this is probably quite controversial considering the job I used to do. But, uh, you know, as 30 years as a cop, I used to sit in the van on in, in town centres on a Friday and Saturday night. And you'd see these little snide, aggressive behaviours. 
that uh, then that person would get flattened and they'd be the one coming across the police van saying, I want him arrested, I want him doing. You started it, mate. You started it, couldn't finish it, bad luck, move on. And that's exactly where I felt this was. Yeah. You know, you started something, you couldn't finish it, bad luck, move on. Uh, hey. So, enough of that, let's get to the magic. <laughs> Utah, a thrilling Orlando Magic win over the Jazz. Um, the Orlando Magic offence really fired uh, for the first home court win of the season by 100 to 107. Uh, move the Magic to a 3-8 and eight record and we sit 14th in the East uh, above Detroit. So, as always, we'll give balance and say that Utah were playing the second night of a back-to-back, having played a um, very hard game in Miami. Uh, they were without Mike Conley, rested due to injury prevention, I think the uh, phrasing was. Um does that actually detract from anything that the Magic did, their performance in that game? I don't personally think so. Uh, Cole Anthony hit 33, season high, tying his season high. Um, and he heard it from the Amway, didn't he? He heard it from the Amway centre crowd cheering, uh, giving it some MVP, which I absolutely loved. Um, and, you know, holding Utah to 15 points twice in uh first and fourth quarter, I think it was, um, is the least points that the Magic have conceded in any quarter. So, absolute quality. So, we're not going to get overexcited by one win, but <laughs> let's be fair, we are. So, Jake, <laughs> yeah, what are your thoughts on Cole's performance, um, his growth in this second season? What can you say? It's been... I'm getting greedy. Like now I'm getting used to it. I, I, I think we should start to expect this from him. Um, there are a couple of things that, that have far exceeded my expectations for, for the amount of usage he has right now. And the, and the amount the ball is in his hands, I expected the turnover numbers to go up and they have not. Um, they're right about two and a half a game. And I think that's very acceptable. And the percentages, I didn't expect him to be this efficient. Like I knew he was going to, to take, to grow into a bigger role offensively. But a lot of times when you're used a lot more and when you're playing more minutes and when you're starting and when you're, you have that level of responsibility, especially as a second year guy, the turnovers go up and the efficiency numbers go down and man, he's been smart with the basketball. He shares it when need be. He shoots it when need be. He feeds the hot hand. If there's a Franz or a T Ross um, rolling, he's making sure that he's running the offense and getting them going. But then he's he's easily the best on the team at getting his own shot. And that's what he's doing right now. He's shooting the lights out. I don't have the figures in front of me, um, but off the bounce, off the dribble, he is he's one of the better players in the league. So, I mean, obviously, we we had a, a sense that he could be this kind of a scorer. But um, the, the efficiency numbers are what are really blowing me away right now. Mm-hmm. And. You know, you're starting to hear talk about most improved player and stuff like that. And usually it doesn't happen necessarily for second year guys. Um, But if they win games, he will absolutely be in that conversation. Just like they win games, he'll be in the all-star conversation for crying out loud uh, with the way he's played so far. So with the wins come the spoils and the awards. And uh, so let's get the wins first. Yeah. How much fun is he to be there and watch? Night in, night out. He's a blast. I mean, he's he's obviously got this great energy. And so you're, you know, doing what Dante and I do, for instance, you want guys like that to succeed and be good because it's good for everybody, right? The content is good, right? 
Um, but but like so there's that whole element of uh, we know it's going to be fun if we get them on the post game show or on the podcast or whatever. Um, and but then like right now he is sort of the heartbeat of that team. And, you know, we're going to talk, I'm sure, about the rest of the young guys and the rest of the young core. But uh, it all sort of starts with Cole right now. So it's been a blast. Yeah. Yes. And Mikey, Wendell Carter Jr., another double-double, secured with 22 points, 15 rebounds, six assists. He made four three-pointers. Um, that's his 17th of the season. Yep. It's more than uh, his combined total for the Bulls and Magic last season. Are you uh, getting Vooch vibes? Um, I wouldn't say Vooch vibes because they're, they're different players really, aren't they? And they're always going to draw that comparison when they were traded for one another. But um, Mr. Consistency is is certainly a nickname we can start giving him. I mean, you, you have to look at the numbers. I mean, he's shooting the career best 39% from three, which is a massive improvement. And it's going to really open up the floor for, for the Magic on the offensive end. Uh, rebounding the ball, assists, um, even blocks are right up there with, with his career numbers. So, yeah, I, I, the Magic are better when he's on the floor, 100%. And we've seen that with the starting unit. So when he comes off, um, I, I mean, I, I want to change the subject slightly about Mo Bamba as well, when because that was an important uh, factor that Mosley brought up in the press conference after the Utah game where Bamba, he wanted to put Bamba back in. He said, no, these guys are rolling let them keep playing. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll wait if I need to. Um, so that's that just sort of shows you the, the sort of camaraderie and the togetherness this group have got this season. Um, but yeah, Wendell, he's just been, just been solid. Um, and I actually like him in the power forward position more than playing him at the five, which we, we did when he, when he moved to us last season. So yeah, let's see more of it because if, if he's playing like this, we're going to, have a better chance to win every night. Yeah. And uh, Gary, I'm going to ask you about uh, Gary Harris and RJ because uh, we, we spoke about them last week on the pod. Um, you know, we've got a little bit concerned that RJ seemed a bit headless rabbit, um, you know, charging, sorry, headless chicken. Um, I'll mix <laughs> in my metaphors there. Headless <laughs> rabbit, mate. <laughs> they don't, not as good as a headless chicken. But I just assumed it was different over the pond. I just no, you guys. No, no, Jake, it's just, it's not. It's Jake, just I have a reputation of being unable to speak properly. Um, normally it's with names, today it's metaphors I'm mixing well, you're up. Doing, so then. It's good thing you have a podcast then, Paul. And, and if you're lucky, <laughs> it might it might rub off on Jake by the end of the hour. <laughs> yeah, it is contagious. I'm sorry, man. It is very. It's going to be a bad one for you. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and, uh, going back to the point. So, and then Gary Harris, we were talking about the veterans that uh, things haven't seemed to quite be there yet with them uh, and the position that they were in. So, particularly in that fourth quarter, both showed especially in that scramble play towards the end. Um, how are you feeling now after some, after seeing that performance? How are the concerns? I think um, it's one of those what I'll call beyond the box score performances. So I think yeah. if you just looked at the box score of both those players, you would see two players who scored eight points and you would see, oh, it's a decent bench return. But I think particularly in the fourth, if we start with RJ, I thought he was very controlled. Um, he'd been making, he's been speaking about this 
wanting to have a defensive focus. And I think when the ball was coming up the floor in the fourth quarter, you could see that. He almost had that Boston vibe, what we talked about on the last pod, where it was yeah. hard to get past him. The, the arms were out. You could see his true size of what he is now. And I think that was playing a factor. And then when the ball came to him in the fourth, he was hitting big shots when it mattered. And you, you can't buy that. And especially that three, which I think just killed the game. So... I think with RJ, it's going to be a case of giving the minutes, which Cole kind of said at the end of the press con in the um, yeah. touchline interview, and then also let him find his role within this. Um, with Gary Harris, I know I was a little bit critical on the pod, and I don't like digging players out or anything like that, but I felt that with Harris, he set the tone when he, I think it was Ingles who he beat down the court to get the ball ahead of. And I think when you, if you look at it and you see the vets doing that, it's going to set a tone back through the rest of the squad. And I felt in the fourth quarter, he was calm. He was smooth. I felt that was rubbing off to, to, you know, like see the game out almost. And I know when he came from Denver, he came with this reputation of Denver fans felt he should have made an all defensive team at one point and he hadn't. And I think we saw that in the fourth quarter where there was him and RG on the court. It became very difficult for Utah to just score at will. Um, so I think both of them played huge. And, you know, we're early in the season and it gives it gives hope that what can come off the bench. You know, maybe he's a, t- a corner's being turned, maybe he's RJ's found himself, maybe he's Gary Harris also has, maybe there's been an injury there that we didn't know about, but very encouraged by what I saw in the Utah game and long may it continue. Yeah, absolutely, Pat. Yeah. I think you mentioned the selfless play Mikey. Um, one thing I think that kind of went a little bit under the radar was uh, Gary Harris at the point where Cole had got his technical and then he got called for a really tip-tap foul um, in on the defensive end and he he went, he wasn't happy, he was quite close, I think he was probably quite close to getting a second technical and tossed from the game which would have changed things totally for us. Yeah. Gary Harris was the one who went across and moved him away. Uh, I think Jamal Mosley called a uh, timeout, but it was Gary Harris who moved him away. And those little things are really important. And following that, um, the coach was stood talking with Cole. He had him to one side, really expressing, calm it down. You do it. You're right. You've been you've been wronged by the the calls, but hurt him in another way and I think that's what he did um, you know the, the selflessness that we've got and this hustle play how 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 much are you seeing of that in a, in the association that you have with uh, the Magic Jake when you're, when you're just around them yeah I mean everybody knows about the bell plays right but I think there's like for instance I'll go back to the um, to the event that I hosted with MCW and Cole and it was actually uh, MCW and he was like he said this locker room more so than any other team that I've been on in my entire career we're rooting for each other there's no competition for for minutes or that we all genuinely like each other and we're all happy when somebody else uh, contributes or um, performs well or succeeds and so and I realized that that's you know it kind of sounds like lip service but this was like a really small event he didn't need to offer that up and he did say like like this is the best locker room vibe and chemistry that I've had throughout my entire career. And as we know, he's played for, I think 
24 of the 30 NBA teams. No, I'm kidding. It's like nine, it's like nine <laughs> or 10, but he's better on. We know <laughs> Mike's better on. Um, so I think there, I think you can see it. I think there's, you know, there's certain quotes that jump out at me um, from training camp and from media day. Mo Bamba talking about how they're all fans of each other's games. Um, some of these guys, you know, Mo and Cole have known each other for years and they're buddies. Um, so I think there's, I think there's a lot of really positive energy there. Now, look, you, you know, you lose nine, 10 straight games or something like that. There's, it, it's going to be really difficult to be positive. Everybody's positive at the beginning of the year. And there isn't a burden of expectations right now. I mean, these are young guys and it's just kind of like roll the ball out there. And all coach Mosley needs to see is a couple bell plays. He just wants, he wants it all to start with energy and hustle and effort. And then you sort of fill in from there. Then as, as you grow, you start to be a little bit more exacting. And then you, you point it out in the film and you say, no, you can't do that. Don't do that. Um, so right now I think it's, it's easy to be a little bit more positive and, um, and, and have those vibes. But I do think there's, I think you got a lot of guys and this is by design with really high basketball IQs, a lot of guys who genuinely love to play the game who are gym rats. Um, and so I think when you start with that as kind of the basis for your, for your culture, um, you're already on the right track. And so now it's just a matter of figuring out who works well together um, and getting that mix right. I do think there's something to Gary and Terrence, you know, maybe having being off to a bit of a slow start, Terrence specifically, because it's not about him this year. You know, this is the first yeah. year that it's about development more so than what Terrence is about, which isn't necessarily development mm-hmm. at this point. It's Terrence is about winning a championship. Terrence could be a, 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 a six man or maybe a starter on yeah. a really good team. We know that. And that's why the trade talks are going to happen. We it, It's almost unavoidable. Um, and so I think there is an adjustment, you know, that, that Terrence needed to make. Gary needs to make as he's working his way back um, to sort of understand and, and, and be comfortable with the spotlight, not being on them. And from everything I've seen, both those guys have done a really good job of it, but it can be, it can be, you can have to work those kinks out on the floor. Terrence Ross is used to playing with, you know, Vooch and Aaron and Evan and Kem Burt setting them screens. And every time he gets in the game, the entire, every set is run for him. And that's not the case anymore. So there is an adjustment period with the veterans um, and, and I think you have to give credit to those two throw Robin Lopez in there, MCW as well, um, from the side, each one more, you know, I, I think they've done a good job of sort of, um, being those veteran voices, but allowing and, and, and recognizing the fact that this is, this is the kid's show. I mean, the, the, the starting five is the starting five for a reason and that's what it's about. And then RJ coming off the bench and that young core Markel and JI, when they come back. Um, that's the future of the organization. So that can be kind of tricky for the vets, but I think they're doing a good job with it. That's a really interesting point. So you've just alluded there to some of the injuries. Uh, Etwan Moore, he's remained out with a sprained left knee. Michael Carter-Williams still out recovering after having a uh, bone fragment removed and to repair his left ankle ligament. J.I., Markel Fultz, both continue to be out as they're rehabilitating from the left knee ACL injuries. Are we are we anywhere close to seeing perhaps some return? Any, there's not a lot coming out from the team. Not to put yeah. you in a position if you can't say. No, you can't I'm not say sure. I, I I don't know, Paul. I wish I could. Um, I think we're. I think Markel is getting close. Like every time we see video or whatever of him at practice, he looks like he's he looks like he's about there. So I think mm. it's you know they're obviously going to be um, cautious, and they've always put precaution first, especially with their young players coming back off injuries. Especially a guy like J.I. and a guy like Martel, um, who do have injury histories. 
But so I think Kel's close. And then I'm not sure about Mike. I'm really anxious to see MCW get back out there. I think he would be huge smoothing yeah. over some of those issues as far as the second unit goes. He's like my favorite player. Like I, I love the way Michael Carter Williams plays the game. And I think the the fact that he is still a pro at this point in his career just speaks to um, the grit that that, I mean, that guy's had like five different careers, you know, within his career, basically. Um, so I think when he getting him back out there, you want to talk about bell plays, the guy's a walking bell play. Um, so I can't wait to see him back out there. And I, I, he said he was feeling better and he's getting close. So hopefully we can get him back out there in the next few weeks. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cause again, you're talking to the converted here. We are all MCW fans. We love the energy that he brings. Whether a lot of stuff, as as Gary alluded to earlier on, with uh, um, some of the plays that we had from both RJ and Gary Harris, a lot of what MCW does doesn't necessarily show up on their box score. But okay. he is so valuable to the team, and you know he, he came he came into the into the magic, tried to save his career, and grab the opportunity with both hands and I, without him I don't think we'd have been into the playoffs the way we were I think he's a fantastic guy for us no I agree every every 30 NBA teams want a Michael Carter Williams in their locker room yeah so that's that's going to cover the news Jake we're going to get into it with you mate um, we always like to find out a little bit about uh, our guests find out a little bit more so this is your ninth season with the Magic eight as a radio producer and your thirteenth covering the NBA in total. You've also been with uh, Detroit and the Cavs. Uh, Cavs doing the twenty eighteen finals run. Yep, correct. And uh, so, besides producing um, the pre and post game radio uh, show, you're also the host um, and uh, for Magic Radio Network. Uh, you're responsible for expanding the Magic's podcast offerings. Um, and if that's not enough, you're also the producer and co-host for Magic Drive Time with uh, Dante um, uh, on the De- Magic's Daily Radio Show. Wow. How many jobs do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably need more, to be honest with you, <laughs> in this business. Um, no, it's been, you know, I'm old enough to remember when you could just be a radio broadcaster and that was a career and <laughs> it was when I started and it's not anymore. I mean, you got to be now your content creators, right. And you have to, you have to figure out a way to be, to do everything. Um, especially with radio because radio, you know, terrestrial radio, um, obviously transformed drastically over the last 20 years or, 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 or so. And it's, it's nowhere near, um, as powerful as it once was, but audio is still very, very strong. I, hence what we're doing here. Um, and so, you know, what my career ended up doing was sort of morphing um, as the tech did. And I'm, st- I still love sports radio. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. You know, I'm a sports radio guy. I love post game shows. And when I moved to Detroit, it was to, it was to do that. It was to host the pre and post game shows and produce the the Pistons radio network broadcasts. And we got phone calls after the game. Like, even though the team was terrible and Andre Drummond and everybody hated him, I got five, six, seven, eight phone calls after the game because that's Detroit and it's like Cleveland where I grew up. And Orlando's just a little bit different. You know, we don't, there's not, it's not a sports radio type market like that, you know? So it's a little bit different, but um, 
but you know, based on what I hear, people don't call many sports radio shows anymore. Anyways, it's just, it's kind of a thing of the past. So what you have to do is you have to be creative. You have to figure out ways to, um, to create compelling content and you want it to sort of tie into what it is we do. Dante and I are both sports radio guys. We want to have a classic sounding sports radio product. Um, but you gotta, you gotta incorporate Twitter and you gotta do the text platform and you gotta, you know, figure out different ways. We're doing Zoom interviews now rather than it used to be like I had an intern go with a wireless microphone down into the locker room and hold it up to, you know, Dwight Howard's face. Well, we don't do that anymore. Now we have safety protocols and we're Zooming and there's a room and uh, every the tech has changed drastically. But um, no, I don't know. It's I, I know how blessed I am. I get to talk about sports every day and I get paid for it. So. I guess I'm winning. That must suck. That must suck, man. Really. <laughs> <laughs> but mate, I've got yeah. to ask you before we go on to onto the magic stuff. I've just got to ask you, how exciting was it to cover the 2018 finals with the Cavs? It was cool. So that boy. was so that was right after I left um, the Pistons, and I got a job with 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. And my main job was producing the midday show, 10 to 2. Um, every day. So I was on air a bit there and then I would have my own Sunday show. And then I did Brown's radio broadcast as well. Um, but like I got there in February, it was the day after the Super Bowl was my first day at the radio station. Um, and it was right. It was it must have been that week, I think, or maybe the next week when the Cavs traded the entire friggin' team away. Right. Remember, they had Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder after the Kyrie deal and no, it didn't work at all. Kevin Love hated Isaiah and all this stuff's happening. So they blew the team up. They brought in Rodney Hood and Jordan Clarkson and all these guys. And the Eastern Conference was so damn bad back then that they, LeBron, LeBron dragged that team to the finals. Everybody knew they were going to get smoked by the Warriors. Um, but it was really cool just being in the building and look, I wasn't doing much. I was there. I was getting audio, you know, post game in the locker room, um, dude, sending some tweets out, asking a few questions. Uh, so it's not like I was, you know, producing or or hosting the pre or post game or whatever. But it was a lot of fun. It was a great atmosphere, and you know, you can't beat it. So, Jake, this is your second stint working for the Magic, I believe, after listening to your uh, episode with Stan Van Gundy last week. Which was really cool. If you haven't guys, if you guys haven't checked that out, um, so going back to when you first started, how did you get? How did you get the job working for the Magic, and how did you get working into radio? So how did you get started? Sure, Mikey. So I went to Ohio State uh, and I studied journalism. <clears throat> Excuse me. And back then, like <laughs> this speaks to the radio stuff. Um, I thought I was going to write for newspapers. There were a thing called newspapers back then when I was. <laughs> When I was in college. Um, so I got a journalism degree and but I interned at a sports talk station in Columbus and then did a couple internships. And then the Magic have this really robust internship program, um, more so than most pro sports franchises in North America. And every year they hired and you had to be within like 18 months graduated from uh, college um, or going to graduate within 18 months. Every year they would hire 15 to 20 interns from all over the country for the for the season, a seasonal internship. It was paid, quote unquote. It wasn't very well paid, um, but it, that was it honestly changed my life. Dante Marcatelli had just become radio manager. This is in 2006. Um, 
he hired a producer and they hired me as the intern. The producer that Dante hired left two years later. I spent the two years in the interim um, bartending, working at uh, radio stations, doing overnights, doing traffic reports, just anything to stay in Florida where I had professional connections, um, which, by the way, I had never even been to the state of Florida before uh, I moved down here to take the internship. And I was copywriting for some group of stations on the coast. And it was um, it was fine. But like Dante called me one day and he said, Justin, who was the producer, left. Do you want to interview for the job? And I was like, do I? Um, so the rest is kind of history. I spent five seasons after that as producer. Um, and then I went to Detroit and then I went to Cleveland. And the Detroit thing was crazy. Like it was this great opportunity. I mean, Dante and Scott Inez and Dennis Newman and everybody I worked with at that point were like, you'd be crazy not to go. It's closer to home and it's you're on air. Like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing pre and post game hosting, obviously at that point. Um, and, but it was with a radio cluster. It was with a, a company called greater media who had rock stations and whatever. And they were launching a new sports talk station to go against 97 won the ticket in Detroit, the big, uh, the big sports talk king and they got the rights to the Pistons contract. And so they hired me um, basically to be the Pistons guy. And it was awesome. It was a great opportunity. I was doing football stuff. They had me covering the lions in my free time, doing some tiger stuff, um, red wings. I did pregame for uh, hockey uh, at one point, which was really difficult because I do not know hockey very well. Um, <laughs> but, but what happened was the company got sold. And that was like, I remember take, it was like, I know, I know how difficult radio is right now and how precarious it is. And everybody told me, well, do they have a lot of debt? And I was like, no, actually, they have zero debt. That's one thing that I know very well about this company. It's privately owned and they have no debt. And they're like, well, that's good. You know, that's obviously a positive sign. It sounds like there's some security. What I didn't think through is that when you have no debt, it's very easy to be sold. <laughs> that's what ends up happening. <laughs> the, radio, the radio company got, got bought out and they flipped our format. They changed us from a sports talk station to a throwback hip hop and R&B station. And um, lo and behold, the Pistons were not interested in, in their games airing on a throwback hip hop and R&B station. Uh, so it all sort of fell apart. Like my contract expired. The Pistons kept me around. They, they, they were great. Um, they kept me freelancing my podcast that I was doing for them, paying me very well, uh, to do it, but it was not, it wasn't full time. I was, it was seasonal. Um, so I ended up going to Cleveland and the timing was crazy because I was only in Cleveland for about a year and it was like the greatest thing that I could ever imagine. Like I was in my hometown doing Browns, um, Cavs stuff. I loved, I was hosting my own show on Sundays. I loved it, but to be frank, the money was was crap. And so Dante called and he was like, Hey, you know, I, I, I'd love to bring it back. Um, you know, here it, it'll be a bit different than it was before. You know, you're obviously going to be on air more and more opportunities. Um, so I jumped at it and it was, it was probably the best decision I ever made. That was two years ago now. So this is my third season. I've been here for two calendar years and I'm, I'm on my third season already. We've played a lot of basketball in the last, in the last what, 18 months or so with the pandemic yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. In that time, mate, you've had some very impressive guests to uh, particularly recently, Steve Francis, T-Mac, uh, Mike, you mentioned Stan Van Gundy. We've already spoke about the Cole and MCW thing. So is there anybody that, you know, fancy guest and uh, any favorite moments from the interviews? 
It's funny that you say that because when I, before I left for Detroit, Paul, um, I, we were doing magic drive time and we were pouring all of our resources into guests for drive time specifically. Um, cause we weren't doing the podcast. So anybody we could get, we were going to, we were going to get for drive time. And there was one day and it was right when I first started hosting on my own. And I was really nervous <laughs> doing it cause I just wasn't, just didn't have that much experience. And we landed Penny Hardaway and Penny is my all time favorite basketball player. And I booked him thinking Dante was going to interview him and then something came up. And so now all of a sudden I'm interviewing Penny and I'm not anywhere near as comfortable as I am now. I mean, this is mm, not 10 years ago. It's probably 10 years ago. Um, and I, I, I couldn't tell you anything that was said in that interview. I have, I, I was I completely blacked out. Um, but I just remember getting done with it and going like, you just interviewed Penny Hardaway. Like, you know, whose life are you living right now? So that one definitely stands out to me. And then I don't know, like, you know, we rebranded my podcast. Um, it was magic weekly and now we're calling it mostly magic with Jake Chapman specifically because I, you know, they want me to, to be kind of my weird self a little more at times. They don't want it to be so newsy. Uh, and when I say they, I mean, you know, basically anybody whose opinion I care about within the organization. Um, and so for me, like Stan was the perfect first guest for that because, uh, you know, you guys mentioned you watch it. I told Stan, like, I, I think I've heard more Stan Van Gundy than anybody probably in the history of the world. Like every time he, except for maybe his family, every time he addressed the media for like a decade, I heard that audio where I either edited it or I was there uh, or I played it during the pregame show or postgame or whatever. Um, and so I just find that guy so fascinating. I, I really respect him. Um, and I mean, I could have talked to him for three hours. So that was, that's one of my more recent highlights. And then the T-Mac one was actually at halftime on the radio broadcast of opening night, the home opener, I should say. Um, and that was, I got done with that one. And I just saw it like, that was so fun. Like I just talked ball with him for five minutes. I mean, it was, you know, there's not a ton of prep you can do. Like, what am I going to do? Like, Hey, Tracy, tell me how you felt when, you know, the night you scored 61 points or whatever. Like I, I, he's done those interviews before. So I just wanted to know like how he felt about the state of the league, what players he likes watching um, and, and how much of a fan he is and um, how important it is for him to be a part of the 75th anniversary, not necessarily the list, which I I tried to kind of steer clear of. Um, (laughs) And so, and so that was a lot of fun. Like Tracy's the easiest dude to interview. I mean, he's just so, he's so warm and personable, but he's, you know, we just sat there and, and basically BS and talked ball for, for five to eight minutes. So that was, that was a lot of fun as well. He's very generous with his time when you, when you do, when you do get to talk to him, he's a really, he puts you at ease as, as you, you know, I, I, I was fortunate enough to meet him at the, uh, where he was um, inducted into the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame. And got took across to meet him, and it's like, whoa, okay, meeting this guy, and he straight away puts you at ease. Yeah. Really good guy to talk to. And you know what's um, funny, Paul? The first time that I ever interviewed him was going back. You know, the the days of the Penny interview. He, he was with the Knicks. He was coming off the back injury, and he was he wasn't quite healthy yet. But he gets there for shoot around, and you know the Dantes of the world. Everybody who's been around. Um, they all love the guy. I mean, he's, you know, he's like the Pied Piper when he comes back here. 
especially with media members, like, like because mm. of what you just said, Paul. And so, but I didn't, I had missed that. You know, I wasn't here during that. So I go up to him and I was like, he wrote a little media scrum and I was like, um, Tracy, you know, as, as you come back off injury, um, you know, there's, there's people have been talking or whatever. I forget exactly how I phrased it. Um, but would you accept a role coming off the bench? Because that was sort of the talk. Like Tracy would probably shoot. He goes, I'm off the bench. I haven't fallen off that effing much. Except he didn't say effing. And I was like, oh my God, Tracy McGrady hates me. <laughs> Tracy McGrady to curse at me for crying out loud. And so I sort of had that in the back of my head when, you know, uh, two weeks ago when he came up for the interview. And obviously like, obviously what he said to me at, at that time was just him, Tracy being Tracy and him being a competitor. Um, but I was like, I, wonder, I, I know he didn't remember that, but I was like, is Tracy as nice as everybody thinks he is? And and yes, yes, he is. He absolutely is. You didn't bring it up then. I didn't bring it up. No. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> <it>. Wisely. <laughs> if you're um, looking at the current team, uh, Jake, Mo Bamba's a player who's shown progress this season. And what what's your take on Mo? Like, um, what are you liking? And what do you think about his contract position going into the summer? Will he get paid, in your opinion? Yeah, I'll get paid something, I'm sure, you know. Um <laughs> the number is going to be really interesting, Gary. Like I don't um I don't know if if anybody has a clear-cut um uh synopsis or or idea of exactly what Mobamba is and who he is as a player just because, you know, his his growth was so stunted by injuries the first 3 years. Um obviously it was a different situation where Steve Clifford and that team didn't have a ton of time to wait for him, right? <clears throat> if he had three or four defensive lapses in a six-minute period of time, he got the hook. And so I think, you know, one of the things that I love about Mo is like, and I I always kind of feel weird talking about players' intelligence, um, but Mo Bamba is supremely intelligent. Like you talk to him for like five minutes and you're like, holy cow, like this dude is like, it's, it's all clicking up there. And I think a lot of times, and I've seen this before, a lot of times the more intelligent players are the ones who struggle more with confidence because, because there's too much going on, especially young players. So I think what happened w- with Steve Clifford's staff and, and basically the situation that Mo was in on a veteran team was once he missed a shot, missed an assignment, did a dumb foul, got beat down the floor, whatever, made a mistake that he knew Cliff was going to be on his ass about he got in his own head. Now, he, now yeah. he's looking over his shoulder. He's waiting for the hook to come. And, and, and again, that's not, you know, to blame Cliff. It, it was just Mo was a young player on a veteran team. And it was, yeah. there was just a disconnect there. Um, so now I think he's, now that he's in the starting lineup, I think he knows now that he's healthy and has had a full off season under his belt. I think he knows that if he makes a mistake, he's, he's still going to be on the floor. Like it's not going to be the end of the world. So I think he's just freer. I think he's just playing yeah reacting he's not in his head as much and you see the results for sure i think you can see him yeah go gary i'm just saying that's fascinating when you're getting to hear about what moore's like and then thinking about how he must be reflecting on himself on the floor it's not really an angle i've heard too much on. and that's just a guess you know i don't don't know that for sure but that's the way i see it because i've seen intelligent players Mm -hmm. struggle more with with confidence more so than 
than the guys who just kind of go out there and, and, and just play. And, and look, there's room for both. Obviously it's sports. Like you don't want, I want a bunch of Einsteins running around, but <laughs> <laughs> that's but what you've said, Jake actually ties in with something that, uh, David Steele was telling me once that his, his take on Mo very early on was once he stops overthinking the game and plays on instinct, he will be, his, his growth will be massive. And I think that's that's where we're looking at now. I agree 100%. I also think there's things that Coach Mosley and the staff have done um, yeah. that have freed him up, right? Like, I think, I don't know if any of us could have guessed. I, you know, I'd like to think myself as forward thinking. I had no idea that it was going to take Wendell Carter Jr. <laughs> to unlock Mo Bamba, like a like twin tower, Spurs, you know, Robinson Duncan type of thing going on here. Um, but it did. They're, they're really complimentary players in the front court. Yeah. I think having, you know, Cliff wanted Mo to be a combination of Vooch and Kem Birch, and he's not, right? Yeah. Like, and you and you weren't going to change things, and, and you weren't going to change the rotation. Obviously, when you have Vooch, like, it would have been really difficult to play Mo and Vooch together because neither of them are the type player that Wendell Carter Jr. is, whereas Wendell – can set the screens is going to, he's going to be your beef down on the block. If somebody wants to, to, to take yeah. you down there and, and bang with you, but he can also still space the floor. Like Wendell can do a lot of different things. He can chase fours around um, that. I don't think you could get away with necessarily with the personnel that was here before. So I think it's, I think there's a lot of different things at play for Mo right now, but the results are, you can't argue with them. Yeah. Jake, take us back to draft night. When, when you're in the Amway Centre. So you were on with Dante, I think it was JT, uh, on, the, on the radio broadcast. What was, yep. the, what was the atmosphere like when, uh, when the Raptors selected Scotty Barnes at four? And then what was it like at five when we obviously we relieved when we took Suggs as well? Yeah, for sure. We were... Uh, the crazy thing is we were, we were preparing beforehand um, for anything, right? Like, okay, it's probably going to be Suggs or Barnes. What if it's neither, right? Like, like Dante and I were like trying to go through like what happens if they pass on subs, and I don't know how we would have res- responded, but I do know Amway Center would have emptied out <laughs> instantly. <laughs> there would have been a lot of angry fans there because the crazy thing is, it was it was basically the first time we had that many people that close together at Amway Center since the beginning of the pandemic, you know, we had the games, but everybody was spaced apart and everything. So it finally felt like, a, you know, there was a real atmosphere in the building. And then when you find out Barnes is going for the place, it's just like this sort of rising, you know, tide in there and everybody's just jazzed up. And I am sitting there because I, as somebody who grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, um, and as somebody who is a producer, I like to think that my cynicism and pessimism Helps me. I anticipate the worst case scenario before every broadcast. And so when it happens, I am prepared for it. So I was sitting there going, please don't pass on him. Please don't pass on him. Just because not, not even because of my basketball brain and my scouting or whatever, just because I didn't want to have to deal with that on the broadcast. And I didn't want to have to, <laughs> I, I didn't want to have to make it sound like everybody was okay with it in the building when I knew they would not have been okay with it uh, in the building. So, uh, but it was, it was a really, really cool vibe. And it was, like I said, it was, um, it was basically the first time you had a bunch of magic fans standing next to each other at Amway center cheering for something uh, in like 18 months. So it was great. I know, I know that uh, Gary's going to 
get into uh, the rotations and the squad with you in a moment. But I've just got to ask you about a couple of rotation guys. That uh, I know you've said that you're Team Mo Wagner. What is it you really like about his game? The nasty. I like I like any player who gets under the skin of of opposing players. I like any player who you would say if he was on the other team, I would hate him. But yeah. he's not. He's on my team, so I love him. Like I'm a big Joe Kim Noah fan and Artest and those guys. Um, but not the Morrises. That's where I draw the line. Like the Morrises, <laughs> Morrises are jerks, but 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 the other guys are are my type of guys. No, I just like um, I like that every time you he he steps on the floor, he's going to make it count. You know, like you don't you don't miss Mo Wagner minutes, and sometimes that's not necessarily the best thing. Um, but but uh, he's uh, I think I think he's a a good reserve to have. And and that's the type of guy who makes players better in practice as well. Um, I guarantee you Wendell and, uh, and Mo dealing with Mo Wagner in practice on a daily basis. Um, they probably get annoyed with him at times, but I guarantee he makes him better. What about Robin Lopez? Uh, what do you think he's brought to the squad and on court? Well, you know, he's interesting because <clears throat> there are certain things that Robin Lopez does well and will probably be able to do well for another 40 years, right? Like he's got the ground bound hook shot and he's going to set a good screen and he's going to box you out. Um, and at his age, I think it's good to have reserves in case of injury um, who are solid, who you don't have to worry about. You know, I with a team this young, you can't have 15, 23 and unders, right? Like you got to have a few veterans. Um, both to try to fill that, that leadership role, which can, which can be myriad things. It can be out on, out on the road, you know, what restaurant to go to or what restaurant not to go to, um, or, you know, all of those things are important and having guys like MCW and Etwan, um, I think is really important. And then having guys like Robin too. And then the other part with Robin is like, I think it was MCW who said it at that event I was talking about. He was like, yeah, we're all just, you know, we're really young and it's just really young vibes. And then like the old, you know, everybody's basically 30 or under. And then you got Robin, who's the old guy, but he's literally the biggest child out of any of us, <laughs> which I think we all could see. So I think, you know, I'm sure part of what Robin brings is comic relief. And that's always a good thing as well. You need that. Yes. Yeah. So if we were looking at, obviously we've had all these injuries. Um, so how do you see the rotation work? And if you were looking to the future, particularly when we get uh, Markel and GI back. I have no idea, Gary, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's fun to think about. It's, it's, you know, the, the possibilities are endless for crying out loud. I think right now you would have to suggest um, if Markel comes back and he's healthy and he's, there's no minutes limit or any of that stuff. I couldn't you see Markel and Cole being a pretty good Starting backcourt and and Jalen's struggling, and we know he's not going to to continue struggling. And you want his defensive presence certainly, so it's not like you're going to relegate him to the bench. And he's, you know, bye bye Jalen. <laughs> but I do think that it, I think that what that might do is take a little bit of the pressure off Jalen, put the ball in his hands more if he's not on the floor with Cole as much, um, so that maybe he can he can start creating a little more. And I do wonder if. Having him on the floor against reserves or against second unit guys um, more often than he's been now, and obviously you know everything gets mixed up anyways, um, might might slow things down for him a little bit. Like he needs to slow down. It's you know everybody always says the game's moving too fast for him. He is moving too fast. Like he, that guy is so fast. Um, you can see it defensively. He's just wrecking 
sets and game plans. But then he, he offensively, he, he's just he's just going a little too fast at times. And he's got to figure out a way. He's always been the best athlete on the floor. So he's got to figure out a way, I think, to um, to use his IQ, to use angles. Um, you know, it's a tough league, man. You get into the pain. You have to create the contact and then bounce off. You know, I mean, there's a whole lot of sort of gamesmanship that goes on with how you finish at the rim and how you get to the free throw line and how you do all those things. Um, that Jalen, I think, is going to get, but it's just going to take time. So I do think if you bring Markel back and you put him in the starting lineup with Cole, I really like that. It, it's almost kind of like the um, the same thing you got going on in the front court. You have two sort of complementary players who can do different things next to each other. Um, I think Markel's got the sky's the limit defensively for him. So I love the idea of having that long body next to Cole in the backcourt. Um, and then I think I think there would be a lot of positives right now to bring in Jalen off the bench. I realize it would be, you know, maybe he would be, he would go through a bit of a um, confidence crisis and it might be a storyline that, you know, fifth pick in the draft coming off the bench, whatever, is he a boss, whatever, whatever. But I, I don't think you can worry about those things, especially when you're talking about a player as good as Martell. Mm -hmm. Um, And then J.I. is going to be, I mean, look, we know he's, if he's healthy, he's starting. So does that mean Mo comes off the bench? I'm not sure. I don't know how that shakes out. Um, that one's going to be really tricky. I think the front court, because the, the two bigs have been so good together right now. I think you can, I think you can approximate. I don't know. I, I, I don't know who J.I. would play better next to. And that would be, I think, the first thing you would have to figure out. Do you want him on the floor with Mo or do you want him on the floor with Wendell? To me right now, the way Wendell's playing, like it's hard to get him. Yeah. Out of the starting lineup, absolutely. What about with uh, you know players like Chuma, um, Franz? Where where would they? Where would you see them fitting? In? I don't think Franz is going anywhere. I think Franz no. is your small forward. Um, and I and I wouldn't be shocked. You know, the the starting five has been so good. We've seen the numbers, and and, and look, both Mo and Wendell have been really, really, really good together and separate. Um, but unless you start winning some more games, like I don't have a problem with them making changes to the starting lineup at all. And so I absolutely putting Chuma at the four would be an idea. I think, um, I think it's, I, it, I'm really going to struggle with bringing Wendell off the bench with the way he's played. I think like that's tricky. Um, but look, Mo's been great too. And Mo does something that really nobody else does, which is protect the rim. So yeah, I don't know. Good problems to have, I guess, but it's going to be kind of tricky. I think right now, I don't. I, Chuma hasn't. Uh, Chuma needs to needs to work his way back more. I think before you want him playing starters minutes, um, he does. He he doesn't seem necessarily right. He's getting there, but I would give it another week or so with him. I think it also depends on matchups as well. Like you sure. think back to the preseason when yeah. we played the Pelicans and Mo got bullied by Valanciunas. That might be a game where you might want to play Wendell at the five and bring Mo off the bench, just as an example. That's a great point. But now, but I'll ask you guys: like, do you think you can do that? Can you can you change a starting lineup night to night? I I would hope that teams would be um, elastic enough to be able to deal with that. But one thing that I've always heard is that. Pro athletes like to know what to expect. They're creatures of, of habit. And, you know, when they get to the arena each night, they want to know when they're going in the game, how long they're going to be in the game for. Um, so that's going to be an interesting thing. It, it, 
because I, Mikey, like I'm like you, I think that's what I would want to do. I would want to be able to say, okay, tonight we're going to do this. And then, and I've got nine different guys and I'm going to deploy them in all these different ways based on matchups. Um, but I, but I'm not sure if, if athletes can deal with that. It's kind of an mm. interesting dilemma. Yeah. I personally like the idea of sticking with the five that we've got who have played well. Um, and people like, particularly J.I., who's been out for a while, playing his way back in. I'm not sure he actually should come in and be the starter immediately. I think I wonder if there's an argument for him actually earning that position back. I don't know what everybody else thinks. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Yeah, what do you guys think? Gary? I think it's a meritocracy. I think it's where you'll earn your way back. I think if I was trying to play a guest game, I think if everybody was 100%, you might find that one of GI or more is on the floor at all times. So I, I could see one of them starting and the other one always being on to give the pin protection. Yeah. So th- that's what I would guess. At. It's a great, it's a great problem to have. It, it really, <laughs> it really goes well for the future. But Paul, you bring up a good point. I don't think with the amount of time and the history of, of J.I., I don't think it, it doesn't make sense to bring him back and immediately put him in the starting lineup. I think once he's ready to play starters minutes, yeah. I don't think it would be um, unfair necessarily to say, you know, he was the starter. You don't lose your job due to injury. Yeah. But that was a long time ago. He was a starter on a completely different a team, different team. Yeah. completely different group of players. So. Uh, so no, you, I, I kind of like that idea. Um, you know, work your way back. You know, it's, this is a, a comp competition and I don't know. It's, it's really tricky with a guy like J.I. because of how much he has meant. Um, but, but no, yeah, you got to earn it. Yeah. I, I, that's where I am at the moment. And I don't know as I'm, I'm, I'm I, I, I perhaps defeat my own argument there because I don't know as I'm actually that way with Markel. I'll probably bring Markel straight back in. <laughs> so I kind of take my own legs there. I don't know. <laughs> but hey, that's, but then that's an easier problems. argument to make, isn't it? When Jalen's struggling yeah. like he is, whereas the front True. court are, are playing well. So, And you know, and the other part that's tricky, guys, is there's just not a ton of time to practice anymore, period. Like it's not even the pandemic year where... Um, you had all these restrictions. It's just the NBA schedule, uh, season and schedule. There's just not a lot of time for them to work this stuff out on the practice floor. We're going to be watching it as they, as they as they answer these questions in game. So it should be interesting. I was amazed yeah. to hear that in the commentary that uh, there is still literally no practice time. I was really surprised by that. You know, part of it, Paul, is that there's so much information now over the last 10 years or so about injuries um, and the importance of rest, it, you know, a lot of coaches and training staffs are, are scared to run them for too long. You, you got to you got to make time for the games and you got to make time for R&R afterwards. It's just not a whole bunch of time to get them on the practice floor. And if you do, you're probably going to be doing walkthroughs, non-contact stuff, um, ballroom, you know, film stuff, whatever. Um, it's gone are the days of the three hour two a day practices. That's for sure. Well, with two gym rats in either corner here, I, uh, I know that they will fully agree with uh, <laughs> the importance of resting the body. Yeah, I've got to say, Paul, I've, I've recently converted to the the whole physio and sports massage, and it's the rest things won me over massively. Um, so, yeah, I'll back that up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's been really interesting. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, so, um, 
do the shameless plug, shall we? As we always do. Uh, as you know, guys, we are affiliated to NBA League Pass, Fanatics and NBA Store Europe. So if you're looking to make any purchases, please join their website by clicking off our affiliate links uh, on the social media pages and the website. It helps us pay for what we do. Um, if you are shopping with either Fanatics or the NBA Store Europe, at the checkout, please add the discount code MAGICUK10 uh, for 10% off your whole order. There are some exclusions apply. Uh, international shopping, uh, sorry, international shipping is offered also. Uh, Fanatics also host um, a whole range of football teams, soccer for our stateside friends, along with the NBA, NFL, NHL and Major League Baseball. So, say. So, Please help us along. We uh, do appreciate it. So let's get to the predictions and uh, talk about the week ahead. So we um, we had only one game between the last this podcast and the last one, where um, only Garant was correct. He went for a magic win. Uh, Mikey, Gary, and I were the pessimists and uh, went for the Utah win. I deserve uh, so a point for getting the uh, leading scorer, though, don't I? So. Uh... No, that was only a tiebreaker, mate. Oh, mate, that's outrageous. <laughs> outrageous. That was a tiebreaker and you got the answer wrong to start with, man. Sorry. <laughs> you can have an honourable mention, but no right. more. Cheers, Paul. Appreciate it. <laughs> so G joins me at the uh, top of the league with one week correct. Um, so we plan to record the next episode on Tuesday, the 16th of November. I think that's right. Um, before that, we've got three games. So the first one is Wednesday the 10th, uh, home court against Brooklyn. It's a midnight tip in the UK, so Thursday midnight. Um, the Brooklyn Nets are 7-4 and four on the season, sitting 7th in the East, 3-2 uh, and two on the road, and their last outing was a loss in Chicago, 95-118. to 118. So no Kyrie, as we all know the issues there. Uh, I'm reading from Dan Savage that there's no Nick Claxton for about two weeks and Joe Johnson also missed the Bulls game. However, they still boast some bloke called Kevin Durant who apparently is the leader in field goals and points and points per game. I don't know. Never heard of him personally. Uh, along with some guy called James Harden and a couple of other star players apparently. So uh, not the easiest of home matchups, but uh, as G said last week, Again, when we went into Utah game, uh, beating opponents like that is such a magic thing to do. Again, and you yeah. know, losing the easier ones. And then we have Saturday the thirteenth, uh, home court final game in on the home stand. Uh, midnight tip again in the UK on Sunday morning um, against the Washington Wizards. They are seven and three at the moment, fourth in the East, having a fantastic start to the season and having won their last two. On the road, not so good. Two and two so far. Um, they won the last outing, which was a home court game, 94 to 101 over the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, pretty deep with talent this year. Um, amazing. But they will be missing, according to Josh Robbins, uh, who is now with the Washington Wizards. Uh, Rui Hashimura, Davis Bertons and Thomas Bryant. They're all likely to be out for at least two weeks, apparently. Um, though they are getting closer to coming back to team activities. And then we visit Atlanta on Monday the 15th, a 12.30am uh, tip here in the UK on so Tuesday morning. Atlanta, only just above us, four and seven, 12th in the East, lost their last four. Um, 
in, for them, it will be the second night of a back-to-back. Um, having played Milwaukee the night before, they have absolutely no injury concerns listed at the moment. And Trey Young leads the NBA in assists and field goal attempts. So, predictions. Jake, where do you see us going this week? What do you think? What do you th- see for the week? First off, if you guys looked at that five-game road trip, it's Atlanta, New York, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Milwaukee. I mean, come on. Like, what are they doing to us? Um, Schedule's not been kind, has it? Whoever no, no. This, season, this week, this week, finally, we get a little respite. Two, two days uh, between games until tomorrow, and then another two until Saturday's game. Um, I got to think, you know, I'd, I'd be a fool to pick the Magic over the Nets tomorrow night. I would think Brooklyn will come in. Um, and do what they're doing. But Harden has not been particularly good. So if you can figure out a way to limit Durant, <laughs> write a book about it, you'll be a billionaire. Um, there is no limiting Durant. But <laughs> if he has an off night, then the Magic will stand a shot. But I'll say, um, I'll say we drop it tomorrow. I'll say we get one on, on Saturday against Washington. That should be a fun crowd. Um, I feel like Washington is out kicking their coverage a little bit so far this year. They have to be. Although you mentioned Paul, the depth is really interesting. It's it's basically the Lakers bench from last year. Yeah, and, <laughs> Bradley Beal. Um, but no, I, I'm really anxious to get a look at that team. They're playing really good basketball. So uh, I'll say one and one headed up to Atlanta. And, you know, Atlanta's not playing great ball right now. How about two and one? I'm yeah. going to go. I'm going to be the total homer and say two and one over the next good three man. games. How about that? Good man. We like that. We like that. We love confidence. So, um, mate, just one thing um, with regards to. Brooklyn, who would you put on Kevin Durant? Who would you think is going to be up against him? Boy, that's a good question. Franz, uh, Wendell, um, who am I missing? It'd be nice to have a guy named Jonathan Isaac for that. That'd be great, wouldn't it? it? Yes, that would work. That would work. Uh, No, let's see. Let's see what Franz has. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a shot. Um, I look Wendell. It sounds like. Disastrous, but when that was chasing, um, what's his face around the what's the guy's name? The shooter from San Antonio, um, Doug McDermott, uh, yeah, Doug McDermott, yeah, it's McDermott. Um, so look, he's I don't think it's it's probably not sustainable for for a whole game, but uh, I think everybody will be taking cracks at, at, at KD, that's for sure. Put, put Mo Wagner in there. He can use the six fouls up in uh, no time. <laughs> just bring Michael Carter Williams on for two minutes just to, just to get, exactly. get, a, get a bit of blood on the floor. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Maybe a little Markeith Morris to his game out there. <laughs> Gary, where's you, where are you at, mate? What are you going with? I'm going to go two and one as well. And oh, we are feeling good this week. I am going to be the fool and I'm going to say I think we'll beat Brooklyn. Okay. Nice. And I really hope that upsets uh, Mr. Hooping and Luton, Elliot, if he's watching. <laughs> um, uh, I also think we might nick it in Atlanta. Yep. So yeah, there we are. I've seen I've seen the Nets nice. play this season. I think they're, they're very hit and miss. So I'm going to be a fool and go for it. So Mikey, where are you at, mate? What are you what are you seeing this week? I am also going to go two and one this week. Oh, wow. Um, I am. I'm gonna go the percentages. I'm going to stick with Jake's prediction. I think we're going to beat the Wizards and I think we'll beat the Hawks. Uh, if we beat the Nets, then yeah. But can you imagine beating the Jazz and the Nets back to back? That would be crazy for this young team. But yeah, I just can't, I'm not quite sure that's going to happen. But the Wizards and the Hawks. The Hawks are, I think they've lost four in a row. Yeah, so, four um, in a row, mate. 
they're uh, let's let's keep that losing streak going for them. Four in a row and second night of a back to back. It's uh, not the easiest game for them because we'll go up there and we will give them a game. There's one thing that you know with this Magic team, they're not going to roll over. They're not just yep. going to not compete. They are going to try always. They will always try. Now, um, Grant has told me that he's going to go one and two. Oh. I can't believe this, honestly. Um, he's got us down as beating the uh, Wizards, the Washington Wizards. And I'm joining the majority. I'm going two and one as well. And uh, I'm I'm going with the Wizards and Atlanta. I do genuinely believe that we can uh, we can get something out of those games. It's amazing what a win does, isn't it, for confidence? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were all pessimistic last we week could, and the week we, before. We could have, I could have squeezed like, oh, a three and all, you guys? <laughs> <laughs> But this week, oh no, no, we're 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 for it. <laughs> Brooklyn and Washington. Washington's playing better ball than they've been playing in years. Brooklyn's coming in for crying out loud. We're like, yeah, oh, it's just one and one, probably. <laughs> 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 we did say I did say at the start of it we, we're not going to get overexcited about one win but we all know we do we all know we are doing hey, it's, it's the nature of sports it's if we, we do. don't then what fun is this right yeah exactly See? man look at exactly. how excited I am I'm knocking my microphone over <laughs> <laughs> okay well that's going to wrap it up for this week so to everybody thank you for watching and listening um, please subscribe to the podcast and hit the notification buttons we uh, don't want you missing future episodes um, you can find all our links to on the podcast description and also via our website orlandomagicuk.com as always we say leave us the comments leave us get in, interact with us we love to hear from you and we'll always get back and uh, we'll, we'll shoot the we'll shoot it with you quite happily um, Jake, I've just got to say thank you so much for joining us. You, it's been so much fun. It's been great, guys. Thank you for everything you do. Um, it's it's really cool having having a network of Magic fans and broadcasters and content creators uh, to link up with. This has been a um, a treat, a pleasure of mine, and, and uh, hope to come back soon. Oh, you're more than welcome. And uh, Gary, again, thank you for standing in for. Uh, the Vucevic of the Valleys we do appreciate it mate it's I can't, uh, good I can't you back. do anything to Cardiff Abdul Jabbar but yeah just absolutely <laughs> <laughs> absolute legend Jake thank you and thanks for having me on guys yeah it's been a pleasure awesome. so to everybody um, from Mikey Gary Jake and myself until next time go magic <laughs>